the body seems to be pretty clever. Uh, and if it needs to conserve its energy, it lets you know that it needs to conserve its energy. Dizwins Radio, episode 990. Starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you by that book I wrote a few years ago, Be Ready on Race Day, which is still available. You can still get it on Amazon, still get the paperback version, still get the Kindle version. Might be thinking about doing an Audible version. I don't know. To be determined. Let me know what you think about that. But uh, the book is available and basically what the book is designed to do, the reason I wrote it is to help you graduate from those one-size-fits-all you know, very generic, not very good, in my opinion, training plans that are so readily available out there. Uh, you know, if, if for any of a number of reasons, working with a coach isn't in the budget right now, or just quite frankly, isn't something that you would like to do. You're more of a DIY type of person. Cool. But uh, do yourself a favor and stop using the one size fits all plans. I mean, they're, they're okay, maybe at first, but you know, as, as you're, you're getting on as, as a runner and, and maybe working towards some goals, maybe you hit a plateau. That's kind of when it's time, I think for whatever my thoughts are worth, uh, that one size fits all kind of stops fitting very well. Not that it ever fits very well, but it stops being even remotely useful. And uh, with the book, with, with the idea with the book is is to help you either from scratch write your own training plan or take one of those one size fits all plans that you've downloaded or that you find that are available and really tweak it and customize it and make it your own so that no longer is it one size fits all. It's one size fits one. It's it's what fits for you and your life and your training goals and, and help you to feel confident that you're putting together a good, well-rounded plan that will help you give you give yourself your best chance at being successful on race day. So like I said, it, the book is available on Amazon, Kindle, uh, or print, maybe Audible coming soon. I don't know. St- stay tuned. Um, and if you want to find out more about the book, get some free sample chapters be ready on com is the website. So whatever works best for you, search for it in the, the Amazon, you know, search for it on Amazon, just search for be ready on race day or go to be ready on com, And there's links, of course. Uh, but give it, a, give it a look if you haven't done so already. And, uh, you know, maybe move on from that one size fits all not so good plan to something that actually is created specifically for you. And in this case by you. So check it out, be ready on com. And now without any further ado, Let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, my uh, guest today is someone that I've been uh, familiar with, connected with on Facebook for a handful of years now, and uh, near as I could tell from his posts, his workouts up until just recently were uh, a lot more focused on lifting heavy things than they were about running. So, you know, for for most of the time I've been connected with him, I never would have guessed that uh, we'd be here chatting today, but I did see a post uh, not too recently, earlier this summer. Uh, about him running his first ultra. And I kind of double took and read the post and was like, huh, that's interesting. And then a month later, another post with another ultra finish. And then uh, a couple months after that, 
another post, another ultra finish. And, and finally, I was like, all right, let's let's talk to this guy. Let's let's uh, see if we can get him on the show, because I'm not sure exactly how many power lifters turned ultra runners are out there. Um, but Mike Samuels is one of them. And it's a, a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with him today. So, Mike, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. No worries, man. Yeah, I'm excited to get going. And that was pretty much the uh, the perfect overview of the last few months, I think. Fantastic. Fantastic. Looking forward to diving into it a little bit more. And, and guys, if you want to connect with Mike on the social medias and, and see whatever, you know, see, hear about whatever the next adventure is when it pops up uh, on Facebook, he's he, you know, obviously search for his name, Mike Samuels, but there might be more than one of them. So if you really want to get into the weeds or really make it simple to find him, it's facebook.com slash Mike Samuels 90, Mike Samuels 90. And uh, on the Instagram, you can find him over there as well at the underscore coffee shop underscore copywriter uh the underscore coffee shop underscore copywriter on instagram and uh, as always we'll have everything linked up in the show notes for today disruns.com slash 990 disruns.com slash 990 for today all the links all the things as per usual so mike the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a with a simple question for it's a simple question to ask some folks it's a simple question to answer um and and i don't know i don't know if it'll be an easy one for you or not i mean you don't have too many to choose from as far as i know but but who knows who knows what i know so we'll just ask it and see where it goes and that's to simply ask what is your favorite distance to race and why cool so i was debating this one and i will caveat this by saying that as you've alluded to i don't have a lot of racing experience but I suppose my generic answer would be at the moment, the longer, the better for me, Um, which I think based on the experience I have, it seems to be that I'm not a quick guy at all. Um, I don't particularly, whilst I started off doing 10Ks kind of 12, 13 years ago or so, I, I certainly have found that my forte, I think, is just the kind of stuff that takes a lot longer. So yeah, I would say, to put a number on it, I suppose at the moment, um, yeah, 100 miles plus is going to be the thing that, uh, yeah, sort of gets me going a lot more. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's uh, I, I always, I don't know, hesitate isn't the right word. I always smile when I when I ask ultra runners and the, and the answer comes back, you know, the longer the better. And it's just it's just such a different, I mean, I feel like, like a marathon is a pretty long distance. I've run a couple of 50Ks. Um, I guess the cat's out of the bag that I'm, I'm running my first 45 miler uh, before too much longer before the end of the year. Uh, so I guess I'm, I'm getting closer to, to ramping up the, uh, the, the mileage charts a little bit, but a hundred miles is still just a, a bananas distance to me. But, uh, you know, the, the beauty of running, there's, there's no shortages of, of options out there. You want to go short and fast. You can hit the track, do some five Ks, whatever you want to just grind it out over the course of a day or, or more, a uh, hundred miles. And, and even these days, a hundred miles plus, there's so many options out there. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I say that having only run 200 milers, but looking into the future, that's certainly what I'm looking to do more of is those bigger distances, maybe sort of the the runs that go kind of over a day rather than looking to sort of go shorter and go for speed. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you've only done 200 milers. Well, that's, that's two more than I have. So, you know, I, I, for whatever that's worth, that's, that's a thing as well. But you know, like, like kind of alluded to in the, in the intro, um, you know, as far as I knew until, until I saw the post, I think about the, the, the first ultra, the 53 miles that you had done in the, in the summer. Um, I, I never would have pegged you as, as much of a run, although you mentioned you'd done some, some shorter stuff a handful of years ago. What, what is your, your running history like, you know, beyond just more recently, which we'll obviously get into, in, into as we go, um, you know, where's, where's running, how much has running been in your life over the years? 
Yeah, so I would say that I initially started running when I was about 15 or 16, mm-hmm. which scarily is now 15 <laughs> years ago. So uh, back then it was purely to lose weight. I mean, I wasn't uh, I wasn't particularly overweight as a teenager, but I was on the, the slightly larger side. And yeah, when I got to 15, 16, I thought something needs to change and not really knowing a whole lot about fitness and nutrition back then, I just figured, well... I'm going to lift some weights and I'm going to start running. Uh, And I got pretty into it. Nothing too serious, but I entered a few 10K races. I probably in training ran up to about 10 miles or so. And then I guess kind of later teens, early 20s, that was when I got much more into the the weight side of things and the powerlifting. And I think I ended up competing about eight or nine times in powerlifting in total. Again, nothing impressive. I didn't have any records. You know, I wasn't a, a complete mutant with it. I did it more for the fun of it. And I was very much a middle of the pack lifter. But I dabbled a bit again, probably mid 20s, but nothing too serious. And then it would have been probably a couple of summers ago. I started getting back into it just a bit more. Again, only up to about 10K distance. But then decided, probably like a lot of people, that over lockdown I needed a bit of a goal to keep me going. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only so many burpees and bodyweight lunges and stuff you can do to uh, <laughs> to keep yourself entertained when uh, when you can't use the gym. So, yeah, I got into – I contacted a guy I used to know years ago. We used to work together um, who is a running and triathlon coach and put it to him that, you know, I'd like to do some distances and whatnot. So we built up and then it was pretty much, I think it was a year ago last week, actually, because the Facebook memory Mm. flashed up just the other day. I ran my first half marathon. And then after that, I thought, okay, well, I'll move up to a a marathon distance next. And then I actually had a podcast with a guy called Ross Edgley, where he said, well, running a marathon is cool, but if you go just a bit further, that's technically an ultra marathon. And I thought, okay, I like the sound of that. That's my kind of thinking. And then I believe it was around Christmas time, I came across the event that I just did just over a week ago, which was the 24 hour basically run as far as you can. Uh, And I signed up for that. But obviously, knowing that I needed a bit of experience, I couldn't just go kind of straight from a, a half marathon to doing that. I also planned in those couple of other ultras that you mentioned. So I did a, a 53 miler back in, I think that was end of May, start of June. And then I did a backyard ultra where I just about hit 100 miles in early July. And then, yeah, this recent one where I clocked up uh, 124 miles in about 25 and a half hours, I think it was all in. That's uh, an impressive ascension up the up the distance ladder, even even if you, you know, even by opening up to the last couple of years, kind of half marathon and, and just kind of climbing the ladder that way. It's still, still pretty quick, uh, climb, but going, going back just a little bit into, into your answer there. And, and this is the stereotype I have in my mind. And, and of course, stereotypes somewhat true, but a lot of times it, it misses the mark. Um, but it's always kind of, at least in the running circle, I think it's, it's fairly, fairly true where, you know, runners, we like to run, Some of us, the longer, the better. Some of us, the the faster, the better. But in in general, we like to run. We don't like to lift weights. The stereotype I have about people that really enjoy lifting weights and and power lifting and and those types of things is that you might do a little bit of running to to just kind of warm up or things like that. But running isn't something that that you really enjoy if you really like lifting weights. 
no right or wrong answer, but but that's kind of the stereotype I have. Did did you enjoy running when when weightlifting was the the primary focus, or was it just something that you kind of felt like you had to do once in a while? First up, I'd say that even though that is probably a bit of a stereotype, I'd say you're correct in probably 99% of cases. Mm-hmm. That's certainly been my experience with that as well. Um, I certainly, whether I used to enjoy it, I don't know. Um, I got a kick out of it for definite. It was something that I think that I'm naturally a bit more suited to endurance stuff than explosive stuff and strength sports. So it was more that I enjoyed the powerlifting but I was never going to be particularly great at it. So, yeah, I used to enjoy it a bit, but not enough where I'd program it consistently. And I think that's just probably because I didn't really have a goal. Um, But then it would have been a case that part of me just liked the idea of the real mental challenge of running big distances. And then I started following a lot of people online who were trying to combine the two. So people like Ross Edgley, who I mentioned earlier, uh, people like Nick Bear. There's a guy over here in the UK called Fergus Crawley, who they all do pretty well in terms of towing that line between strength sports and endurance. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was pretty cool, really. To me, that's a, that's a solid definition of fitness. You know, you might not be at your absolute peak strength and your peak endurance at the same time. In fact, you almost certainly won't be. But you can do pretty well at both. And I figured that seeing that I'm a guy who's not going to excel at either, I would rather be, well, yeah, pretty good at both, I guess. I figured that's a, that's a pretty cool place to be. Yeah, certainly. And, and I, I can't speak much from, certainly from any experience with really being focused on powerlifting and, and building lots of strength and throwing lots of weight, weights around. But I can certainly speak from the running side of things that, that I mean, sure, there comes a point where, having so much muscle mass can be, you know, can, can be a bit of a hindrance out on the roads or the trails or wherever you're running. But there's no doubt in my mind that being strong, um, is, a, is an asset, you know, having, having some good muscle, having, you know, some decent muscle mass and certainly the strength and the power. And, and, and even though it may not be an explosive movement, certainly running a hundred miles, there's nothing super explosive about that, but being able to, to withstand the wear and tear, being able to withstand 24, ish plus or minus hours on your feet and that movement pattern for that long. Um, there's no doubt that having some, some strength training, at least no doubt in my mind that having, uh, some strength training experience and continuing to, to lift makes a difference in that. And I'm just curious, you know, like I said, you, know, you climb the ladder in my mind pretty quickly from getting back into running and kind of making it a, a bit of more of a focus to, you know, a hundred miles and, and not a whole long, long period of time. How much of that of the process do you think is, is somewhat related to, or maybe even directly attributed to your, your strength training background? I certainly think that anecdotally, um, it's helped quite a bit. There's obviously, as you say, there are downsides to it. I mean, I certainly know that when I did the backyard, for example, Certainly the guys there who were kind of around my height, I would say I was probably carrying a good sort of 20 plus pounds on most of them, which I think on paper is potentially a hindrance. But at the same time, I've never felt really that on the runs I've done so far that muscular fatigue has really been the bottleneck for me. I mean, obviously to an extent, but it's never been the fact that kind of I've had to completely stop because of anything like quads just won't move anymore or there's been uh, glutes have completely given out. It's always been more, I suppose, almost mechanical stuff, particularly for me, the last few, it's been more so feet that have been the the limiting mm-hmm. factor. So it's a fine balance, I think. And it probably is the case that 
most strength athletes would benefit from doing some form of endurance training just from a recovery standpoint both in sessions and between sessions and most runners would benefit from doing a bit more strength work not necessarily with the goal of adding a lot of size Mm -hmm. But I certainly think that particularly when you're looking at kind of single leg stuff, your split squats, your lunges, your step ups, that kind of stuff, the posterior chain work, again, with the full caveat that I am no expert and I'm no running coach at all. But in my mind, yeah, adding in a session or two of that a week for a runner certainly would benefit them. Yeah, I, I I agree. And for the benefit of everyone listening that don't that doesn't know, and not that I know all of your background, but I do know that you had had some years of of lots of personal training work. So you you know your way around the gym, and you know functional exercises, things like that, which is which is always a, a good uh, topic to at least a topic that I enjoy discussing as well. Because like I said, so many runners that that listen to the show, so many runners that I know that I coach, whatever. Um, you know, you tell them to strength train and, and you talk about the benefits and they're all like, yeah, I know it's, I know it would be good, but I would rather just run. Um, so since, since we kind of just talked about posterior chain and, and, and we can just touch on this for a minute, we don't have to spend too much time here, but, um, I, I would just love to, to, to hear your thoughts on, um, maybe some, some exercises that you do as far as still incorporating strength work into your routine or, you know, just, just maybe again, runners we're, we're, we're pressed for time. We'd rather run more, hit the gym less, or even just being in, in the house doing strength training workouts at home, body weights or some dumbbells, whatever. What are a couple of, of maybe, um, I don't want to say the best, but like go to good quality strength training exercises that, that runners can maybe try to incorporate if it's not something they're doing, uh, currently. So I certainly think that you want to prioritize your kind of big movements, Mm -hmm. so to speak. I definitely think that single leg work would be good. Um, And if you were to put together a session that let's say you were going to do a couple of times a week, I would definitely look at doing something quad dominant that would probably be something single leg. So some lunges, some split squats, some step ups. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so many variations with that kind of stuff that yet there there's sort of no need to pick just one exercise, so to speak, but something that does make you work each leg individually something for the posterior chain whether you go for more of like the conventional deadlift whether you do some some deadlift variations like some romanian deadlifts or whether you look more like the bodyweight style stuff so potentially some glute ham raises um some sort of bodyweight leg curls that kind of thing and then i would look at getting in this is just me personally but i still think runners would benefit from some upper body stuff just from a almost from a posture standpoint, really. I've certainly, again, noticed that anecdotally, you get a lot of runners will be particularly hunched over and quite rounded just because they don't train, particularly like the upper back muscles uh, and the rear delts. And I think that can lead to poor posture. So I'd certainly, and this is my bias showing through, coming from a weights background, but I would look at doing some sort of chin up or pull down variation or some sort of rows, whether it's dumbbell rows, barbell rows, jumping on a TRX and doing body weight rows. Uh, And then I'd put in some sort of up body push as well, whether that's a push up variation, some kind of bench press, some kind of dumbbell press. But I certainly think even if all you did was two sessions a week, perhaps with those four exercises, some kind of single leg, some kind of posterior chain, an up body push and up body pull, you could quite easily knock that out in what, 40 minutes, if that. And for me, particularly if you've got uh, not kind of a, if you have a less of a strength training background, you would likely see some fairly quick improvements in uh, in sort of performance with that. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I, I always, you know, the, the example that I always give specifically to the upper body, which I'm so glad you mentioned that because again, you know, you, you're talking to runners and, and it's like, oh, you know, strength training. Okay. I'll do some squats or I'll do some lunges. Or I'll do, I'll do some core work, things like that. But it's easy to neglect the upper body, but you forget that every time your legs are swinging, your arms are swinging too. And, and like you said, you don't need not maybe massive strength or size, but just from a postural postural basis and just you know maintaining halfway decent form, especially if you're doing these longer runs where it's not just quote unquote just a couple hours, but you're talking half a day, a full day, twenty four hours and beyond, um, being able to maintain semi decent posture and not be all hunched over is going to impact your running performance as much as it is your, and then just day-to-day health as well. Like, like whole body stuff. Absolutely recommend. Yeah. And I certainly think if you're going for longer distances and carrying some sort of pack as well, one thing I've noticed is that even with all the strength training, my upper back gets super fatigued from doing that. So actually if you have strong rhomboids, strong lats, strong rear delts and mid traps, that's only going to benefit you because you will be able to keep that more upright posture. So yeah, even just throwing in a few bits specifically for that. I mean, you don't even need to dedicate a whole session to it necessarily. If you're doing core work or, you know, even just kind of around the house, there's stuff you can do for that. Even if all you have is a pair of light dumbbells where you throw in a few specific bits for that sort of area, it's always going to help with posture. It's going to help with your form. um, And it will counteract the, the posture that most of us tend to have anyway. If we have, sedentary desk jobs where you are sitting down hunched over i would say most people should be doing that kind of stuff but especially runners as well yeah absolutely agree and and thanks for kind of humoring me and taking a little side trip down strength training lane because it's something that i know i I talk about it semi-regularly but i also know that sometimes my voice gets uh becomes a little to people because they hear it all the time so a different voice uh similar message i think is is an important thing to have so thanks for that so Looking at uh, the, the first, I, I kind of want to dive into each of these these three races that you've done in the in the last handful of months here, Mike, um, and just kind of see how things progressed beyond just the mileage uh, situation. So going into the, the first race, like you said, end of May, 1st of June, something like that, 53 miles, 53 and a half miles is, is, is what uh, my notes say. Um, what was what was the mindset like leading up to that race? I mean, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, and and. I know we did a kind of quick gloss over, so easy would have been to, to misunderstand something or for me to miss something, but you'd said you'd done a half marathon looking at a, at a, a full marathon. Had you done a full marathon or a 50 K or did you just jump right from half, from half marathon distance to 53 plus miles? I'd worked up to about 27 and a half miles in training. I okay. think I'd done a few runs that were over 20. So I did like a, a 22, then I think another week I did one that was just shy of a marathon. And then about four weeks before that event, I worked up to, yeah, about 27 and a half, I think it was. So I'd done just over half the distance, right. but yeah, no longer than that. So so going into that first race, um, what was, was that, and I think this is the case, but again, correct me if I'm wrong. That was a race where it was a defined distance, right? It wasn't like the, the backyard. It wasn't like the 24 hour race. Like that was one where, you knew what the distance was going to be or, or, or am I missing a, a point there? No, you're entirely correct. It was a point to point run, uh, started sort of just in the next County over and then finished up. It was actually only about sort of six, seven miles away from me. It finished. Um, and that was, to be honest, from a, a laziness standpoint, that was one of the reasons for doing it was that actually I knew the second half of the route and I knew that it wasn't, uh, wasn't a great distance to travel to, well, to start or to finish really. 
Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's, that's a good, a good way to get into it. it, it I mean, shoot, that's, that's something that I always consider for just about any race, whatever the distance, of course, the, the longer the, the race distance, maybe the, the more willing I am to travel a bit, but, but yeah, being local, having a little bit of home field advantage, there's nothing wrong with that. But so towing the line for the first race, 53 miles, um, you, you kind of, you know, it had run, like you said, it run over half of that distance recently, which is, which is, I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty consistently about the, the, the way you train for something like that and, and getting lots of miles in and, and, and feeling ready to go. But what, what was, what was going through your mind when you're getting ready to set out on a, you know, a 50 plus mile run for the first time, uh, lots of unknown territory, you get past 27 miles and it's all new at that point. What, what were, what were your thoughts at the starting line? There was definitely some naivety there. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Whether I don't think that was an entirely a bad thing, though. I think sort of having that sense of unknown and not not sort of having the full picture allowed me to go into it feeling fairly relaxed. Uh, and I had a rough goal in mind as well. I wanted to do it in sub nine hours. Uh, I talked with my coach, and he said, "Yeah, I think that's uh, that's realistic for you." Uh, there was definitely some nerves there, though, because I'd not really looked at kind of what that timing was like. I just sort of decided sub nine hours sounds pretty good. Let's go for that. And then I looked at the results from the previous year and found that actually that would have put me kind of top 20 out of a thousand people. Uh, so I suppose I was nervous from that respect because I thought, OK, maybe I've overestimated what I can do here. But I kind of had the same tactic that when I used to do 10K races, I had the this same idea, which was I'm always one of those people who tends to start out on the cautious side. And if I feel good at about halfway, I'll have a bit more of a kick. Or rather on this one, if I felt good with kind of 10 miles to go, I figured I could have a bit of a kick. And it was quite a nice route for me because, like I said, I had done pretty much the exact second half of it at least twice in training so i knew that provided i could get around the first it was actually about the first 29 miles then the next 24 i knew pretty well so i could almost switch off i didn't worry have to worry about navigation uh i kind of had an idea where the aid stations would be so i could plan things out fairly well so actually from that point of view i definitely think i had an advantage um and it's one of those where i knew that actually look this is your first ultra. You definitely want to go steady to begin with, just because the last thing you want is to get 35, 40 miles in and for them to have to send some sort of <laughs> medical assistance to, to pick you up. But actually the, the preparation went pretty well for it. I felt really good on the day. I stuck to the game plan. Um, yeah. And actually whether it was luck, whether it was good planning, a mixture of both, I'm not so sure, but yeah, it was, um, I would say up to about 35 miles, I felt really good. I had probably a couple of miles then where it was a bit of a slog and it was a particularly hilly section. So I was walking the most of it. Uh, felt pretty good again for, for the next while. And then just the last five miles or so were, again, just kind of pulling on reserves, really. I didn't plan my nutrition and hydration that well. So I was almost out of water for the last three, four miles. It wasn't great, but, you know, live and learn, I suppose. Uh, and actually things went pretty much to plan. I finished in 8.42, I think. So, yeah, to be honest, like I said, some of that may have been luck, but it actually worked out pretty well in the end. Yeah, I'd say, you know, you, you, and, and yes, I mean, there's always some, some luck, especially I feel like the longer the longer you go, the more you know, just the more variables come into play. Like you said, hydration and, and potentially running out of water, 
uh, nutrition and what you're eating during pre previous, you know, before the start of the run and course during, um, and, and, you know, you stick around running long enough and you talk to enough runners and you'll find out that there's plenty of folks who, you know, they don't do anything outside the normal routine, but one day their body's just like, can't handle it. And you get all kinds of GI issues and that can throw you off. So, you know, there's so many, so many things that can, can go sideways over the, the longer distance runs. But yeah, I'd say things went pretty well, uh, to, to have, have, you know, pretty much stuck to the plan. The training obviously went well. Um, I'm curious in those, in those couple of rough patches, which again, you know, ultra runners are not unfamiliar with having some stretches where, whether it's a, a mile or two or five or eight or whatever it is, where like things are pretty tough and it's, it's a real struggle to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, was that something that you kind of knew to expect or was there, was there a bit of naivete there as well as, as just thinking that like, man, the first 35 miles have been going pretty good. Like we're, we're, you know, we're getting, getting close. And then all of a sudden, you know, those, those rough patches hit. Yeah, I was actually surprised how easy the first probably 25 miles or so felt. And then I was expecting it to hit at some stage just because knowing that second part of the course, I knew there were a couple of bits that when I trained, they were very much the kind of hills you do want to walk. Um, you know, at that stage of a race, I guess, yeah, you could run them, but it's one of those where the the extra fatigue and the extra massive boost in heart rate just probably isn't worth it for the for the time gain so i was expecting them so that made it not too bad and actually it was uh, sort of a stage of the course where while the field had really thinned out so i wasn't around a lot of people i wasn't overtaken at all no one seemed to be catching up with me particularly so i sort of felt it was more one of those it's kind of like a fairly low stress environment at that stage where everyone around me is walking so i thought you know what this is obviously kind of the done thing here again that naivety of being a first ultra race i thought okay maybe i'm not sucking as much as i thought <laughs> i might be um and yeah that made it that made it better and then actually kind of got a bit of a second wind once went past an aid station and then managed to overtake a couple of people, um, which again, gave me a bit of a boost really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I, I remember in the early days of the podcast, uh, talking to an ultra runner who's, who said, um, you know, basically the, the idea that in, in any race, but certainly in an ultra that, uh, if you can walk up a hill at pretty much the same pace that you can run up a hill, you're kind of foolish to feel the need to keep running. Like, power hike, walk, like you said, save some of that reserve. Uh, cause you're going to need it at some point down, down the road. And so, uh, that's, that's one of those things that I would have never, like, I kind of had the mindset, especially back then, but when I, when I wasn't running anywhere near ultra distances of like, yeah, if I'm going to run, I'm going to run, uh, I might walk when I have to, but I'm, I'm, it's going to be the last resort. And that was kind of the thing of like, oh, like maybe you can walk strategically and, and maybe that's not only, not only okay, but that might be the optimal strategy. And it sounds like you kind of lucked into that a little bit at, at that one point on the race. Yeah, it was one of those things where I guess like a lot of stuff you're told, the best idea is to walk any steep hill mm -hmm. because like I said, the, the time you gain from running up it, you're going to jack your heart rate up. You're just going to add so much fatigue. But me being me, I ignored that for the, for the first <laughs> few longer runs that I did then realized that actually that was probably a good idea. So I'd say the ego definitely has to take a bit of a backseat on that. And sometimes when you say to people who aren't familiar with ultras that, oh, you know, I, I walked kind of maybe for a, a whole mile at some stage and they sort of look at you like, well, you're not supposed to be running it. But yeah, from having that experience now, I've realized that, yeah, it's a, it's a very good idea that if you're not sure about a hill, 
probably just best to walk it because you can always make that time back up. It's a nice opportunity to bring the heart rate back down a lot of the time. And for me, I actually find it's a good opportunity to eat as well. Whether yeah. that's the smartest strategy, I'm not sure. Again, that could just be my uh, my newbiness coming in. But certainly, uh, yeah, I, I think on hills, I walk and I eat, basically. No, I, I think that that's a, a pretty good strategy, especially um, because it gives you a chance, like you said, the heart rate comes down. But yeah, to, to eat, I mean, I think that that again, like everybody's going to be at their own, you know, what works best for them. And you kind of figure those things out. And of course, if you have too many hills back to back, you may not want to eat on all of them, but no better time to take in some calories than, than when you're walking, you're hiking, you got, you got time to, to just kind of let it set for a second before you start running again in your, in your stomach. Like, I think that's, that's a, a pretty, a pretty universally sound strategy, whether it works out all the time or not, maybe not always guaranteed, but I think that's what a lot of folks would tend to do. So you finish up 53 miles, 53 and a half miles. You finish the race. What was, what was recovery? Like, how did you feel the next couple of days? Did you bounce back pretty quick? Was it uh, hit by a truck somewhere in the middle? Like how, how did the, the post-race uh, situation shake out? I would say it was somewhere in the middle. Uh, I was definitely somewhat dehydrated. Like I said, I'd not really not planned that particularly well. That was one thing where I think had the race been an extra four or five miles, that could have really come on to bite me. Fortunately, it didn't. But yeah, that was the the sort of toughest thing kind of the rest of the day because it was an early start. So I was actually done by about 3 p.m., which was nice. Um, the next day I wasn't too bad. My feet were pretty sore. My legs were pretty sore, but I still managed to get out and walk quite a bit. And I made it my goal that I think I did have three days fully off any training, but I still tried to clock up about 10,000 steps just from a recovery point of view. The pain wasn't too bad. So yeah, to be honest, I would say probably fully recovered from that within about a week and a half. Um, The only thing I didn't do actually was I didn't properly run for about three weeks just because uh, feet were still very painful. I think it was just bruising. It wasn't anything more serious than that, but it was actually the backyard was then three weeks later. So I made the executive decision that on the balance of it, probably best not to run and just to recover because you're not going to get any fitter in three weeks, but you can definitely get more hurt. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, that's, that's, one of those again you know whether you you knew this or not or you're just kind of backing into it but that's that's always the 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 struggle with with runners to embrace the taper period leading up to a race is like well god i'm gonna lose all this i'm gonna lose all this fitness over this couple few weeks or whatever i'm I'm backing down and that's still running some just not running quite as much and and allowing the body to bounce back and so to, to to know that like hey i've got this other race coming up and i need to to rest and let my feet recover um and to trust that you're not going to lose any fitness that's that's uh um that's you're ahead of you're ahead of your experience you're 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 wiser beyond your your running years mike i think at, at that point um but but so th- does that mean then that that you had planned the backyard before you had done the 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 first ultra yeah so basically when i was looking at the big one that i did last weekend the goal was to try and do some kind of overnight training as well knowing that i'd have to do that at some point so the initial plan was that we would just do kind of a training run overnight to get used to it mm-hmm. but then i saw this backyard and i'd actually read some stuff about it and watch one of the youtube documentaries and, and all of that kind of stuff 
And we saw that there was one that was pretty much exactly yeah, three weeks after that initial 53 miler. Uh, and so I figured, let's try that. You know, it wasn't wasn't one of those where I thought I'm going to turn up and, you know, absolutely ruin myself for the sake of performance. I thought I want to get some uh, some mileage in overnight. This is one of those where actually the pace is pretty steady. You don't have to be a quick runner to to do a backyard at all. There's no uh, there's no real need for intensity, but it was just timed quite nicely that maybe in an ideal world there would have been one more week between the 53 miler and that. As it was, three weeks was okay, uh, but it started at six o'clock on a Friday night. So I thought, well, even if I only do 12 laps, that's an overnight run ticked off, and actually that's good preparation for the for the event the other week. So for, for those that aren't familiar, uh, real, real quickly, what what is a Backyard Ultra? So a Backyard Ultra is a loop, which I believe is just under 4.2 miles. It's like 4.17 miles or something like that. And the idea with it is you have to run one lap on the hour every hour. And the race doesn't have a definite end point. The race finishes when the last person or when there is only one person going. So the the way you get a, effectively everyone who enters who isn't the winner gets a DNF, <laughs> which is, I think, both amazing and incredibly cruel. But, yeah, the idea is that everyone lines up on the start line to do their lap. You drop out if you either time out on lap. So if you don't get back within the hour or you just decide you've had enough. And obviously over time, the field trims down. Uh, and I believe actually the record now, they said it here in the UK a few months ago, It's I think it's sort of close on 80 hours. Jeez. Now it's, it was just over three days, which is pretty nuts. Yeah, that's that's intense to, to say the least. So, I, so, so you signed up for this race and, and, and you know, hearing the, the logic behind it makes sense. Like, hey, you get, get 10 or 12 laps, whatever, get over, the, you know, get that over the night, uh, you know, um, experience in, uh, but you end up closer to, uh, to a hundred miles. So you end up going closer to 24 hours. Like when, when did you like, w- was it a strategic decision at some point to just kind of keep going or was it, was it competitiveness that kept you, that kept you answering the bell every hour or, you know, wh- why not get your, get your 12 hours in and, and say, Hey, that's good. Tick the box. Like you said, move it on. We got this bigger goal coming up. Like, like what kept you going during the course of that, that event? Probably stubbornness, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's a good uh, trait to have for an ultra runner right there. Yeah, true. Um, so I definitely, it was always going to be a bit of a trade-off. I knew that actually if I did 12 hours, that was what I'd be happy with. But in the back of my mind, I thought, well, 12 hours is actually less distance than you did for the last run. So really you want to be looking more like 16, 18 laps, particularly given the fact that actually you'll be doing that over 16 to 18 hours. You know, there's no way to do a backyard quicker. And that's one of the the clever things about it is that a lot of really good runners don't particularly like them because you can't build up any kind of lead. Mm-hmm. So in the back of my head, I was thinking 16 to 18 hours is probably going to be about right. Uh, but I also had that idea that it'd be nice to crack 100 miles. And technically, you could argue maybe it's not a proper 100 miler because you do have those enforced breaks. Uh, so it was never going to be something that I sort of claimed as a, as you might with a, a point-to-point 100 miler, let's say. But I sort of, I think at about lap 16, lap 17, 
I set that goal in my head that, okay, you've done this much. Actually, you're running through the daytime now. You're not going to have to do any more light laps to get to, to 24 hours. Uh, the course was pretty savage. There was quite a bit of elevation on it, so that was tough. But that also meant that people were dropping out fairly quickly. So what actually ended up happening was I was running with, with another guy for probably a good six or seven laps. And we both eventually made this kind of pact, really, where we said, let's shoot for 24 hours. If we get there, they'll be, we'll be happy. And I suppose that was both a blessing and a curse. I mean, I've listened to uh, Lazarus Lake, the guy who designed the backyard, and he says, whatever you do, do not set a goal in your head because you'll get to that goal and you'll quit even if you have more in you. And that's basically exactly what happened. I got to got to 24 miles, ran in the last of that loop and just went, nope, I'm done. That's fine. Um, but ultimately, I wasn't that worried about it. I'd gone for the 24 hours. Uh, there was only one guy left in as well. So he went and did sort of his victory lap. Um, and to be honest, I was perfectly okay with that. I got to the point where I thought... Yeah, there's some more there, but I just don't want it enough to carry on, which I think is one of those things, sort of the mentality is probably much like a, a physical muscle. You develop that. And so actually for the stage I was at, I was perfectly happy to to do the 24 hours, tick off 100 miles uh, and not run myself into the ground too much for uh, for the next one. Yeah. Well, that's again, wise beyond your years to, to recognize that, Hey, this, this is, this is good. And, 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 you know, Oh, by the way, it's also uh, almost 50 miles farther than I ran just a few weeks ago, which was, you know, a whole lot farther than I've ever run before anyway. So, you know, like you said, don't, no need to run yourself into the ground, but, um, you know, what was, what was, uh, well, I guess I'll save this question for after we talk about the third race. So put a pin in that one, but what was the recovery, uh, like after a hundred miles? So after 53 miles, you know, a, a fair bit, a week and a half or so of not doing really much. Like, I don't know. I, I get my time, like a couple days of real strict recovery, no running for like a couple few, basically for the whole three weeks. What was it like coming out of a hundred, almost a hundred miles in 24 hours? That was definitely harder again. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say I prepared a bit better for this one, but certainly my feet took a lot more of a hammering. Mm -hmm. So it was probably again, probably, from memory, I think it was almost two weeks before I ran again. So I did some other training. I was in the gym. I took pretty much 10 days off anything lower body related, but I did some upper body stuff after about four or five days. So that wasn't too bad. I think the feet took quite a while to recover. But when I got back into training, that was definitely tougher. I remember about probably four weeks afterwards, three or four weeks, I did a, I had to go out and do a marathon distance. Um, and I did that not as an overnighter, but I did that going out later so I could test out uh, my head torch. And that was probably the hardest training run I've ever done. It was, it felt unbelievably difficult, but my pace was a lot slower than I'd usually be doing. And I think the sort of systemic fatigue was just, it was still there in a big way. And I've been feeling fine day to day. But yeah, doing that, I think I clocked up a marathon distance in about four hours, 15, and it was a real struggle. It was a flat route. Normally, I'd expect to do that sort of distance in kind of sort of taking it fairly steadily, maybe kind of 340, 345, I guess. Uh, and yeah, it was just a horrible, horrible run. So yeah, it definitely took a bit longer. I would say probably five to six weeks till I felt 
kind of properly human again uh but fortunately that was was enough time and i think i just probably expected a bit too much myself a bit too soon really right and 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 that's definitely uh uh that's a that's a common runner trait as well of like oh i did this and you know i'll be back to go and and you know whatever in in a week or two weeks and and it's always it's always I don't want to say interesting, but it's, it, it is to me as, as a coach and as somebody who's, who's got some background in exercise science and physiology and kinesiology, it's interesting how each race, even for the same runner and, and not that you've done the same distance or the same exact style of race multiple times yet. Um, but each race, the recovery is so different, you know, it, whereas, Oh, I, you know, I, I ran a marathon and, and, you know, it took me four days or eight days or 12 days or whatever. And I was good to go. And then the next marathon, oh, I bet I can do it at least in that. I'll recover at least that quickly or maybe even a little bit a little bit quicker. Um, and it might even be longer because it's just there's so many variables, just the human condition, uh, accumulated fatigue, how the training go. There's so many things that, that go on there, um, which I don't know where I'm going with that. A little bit of a, t- a side tangent, but it's just, you know, just the fact that it took five, six weeks to, to really feel back to back to normal. Um, a, I think it's, it's not something that gets talked about the, the amount of time recovery takes, at least I don't think it's, it's not talked about on this, on this podcast as often as it probably should be, um, for some of the longer races. And, and, uh, I think it's, it's again, something we always try to rush, we rush the process, rush to, to get back to feeling hundred percent. And when it comes to recovery, like, yes, there's things you can do, but ultimately sometimes you just need to give your body enough time to fully bounce back and you can run some, but you know, not to feel quote unquote normal. It may take a month or two months or whatever. And that's not, not uncommon. Yeah. Certainly in my limited experience, I would say that I've, I've kind of felt normal a lot sooner than my body's Mm -hmm. actually been able to perform how it should do. And it's been one of those weird ones where, you're going to the gym and think, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I've been sleeping well, been eating well, got my normal energy levels back. And just for whatever reason, I wouldn't say kind of completely crash, but yeah, performance is still a good 20, 30% below Mm -hmm. where it should be. And I've even found that from, uh, in terms of upper body stuff, I mean, within sort of the two or three weeks of, of doing a longer run, even kind of things like bench press or doing pull-ups would be massively effective. And I think it's just because of that overall systemic fatigue. I mean, the body seems to be pretty clever. Uh, and if it needs to conserve its energy, it lets you know that it needs to conserve its energy. Yeah, absolutely. The, the body is super clever, but it's also one giant ecosystem, not broken down into all your parts. So just because you you ran, like, yes, your lower body might really be be you know, have taken the brunt of it, but it impact, it does impact the upper body. It does impact, you know, everything is, like I said, it's an ecosystem. So it's all, it's all tied together, uh, in a lot more ways than sometimes we think. So you, you, the recovery process takes a little bit longer, but you get through it and, and, you know, they the, have the, the marathon distance training run. That's a bit of a slog, but again, you, you get through it. Um, eyeballing a, a 24 hour race where more of the quote unquote typical 24 hours. So it's not a stop and start every hour. Like the backyard ultra was, it's just, you've got 24 hours. How far can you go? Uh, what was, what was the plan leading up to that race? So the course was actually a 10 kilometer loop. Okay. So the goal was always going to be initially when I, when I, um, signed up for the race, I was thinking a hundred miles is the goal. Having done that in the backyard and knowing that actually, even with enforced rests, I can do 100 miles in 24 hours, I decided that actually I would up the goal to uh, to 110 miles just because the elevation was slightly kinder as well. 
Uh, it was probably 50-50 trail and off-road, I'd say, rather than the backyard was kind of 90-10 off-road. So again, uh, I would say you can hope for a slightly quicker time right. with, uh, with a bit more road in there. Um, so yeah, the goal was to ideally hit 18 laps because 18 laps was about 111 miles. I decided that if I had a particularly good day, I'd go for 20 laps and then anything over that was a massive bonus. Mm -hmm. And then how it was set up was that it ran from midday Saturday to midday Sunday. And if you got back from a lap before the clock hit midday on the Sunday, you could do another lap. And provided you didn't literally crawl around, that lap would count towards your total as long as you did it in kind of sort of 90 minutes to, to two hours, basically. So in effect, the, the very minimum goal was to get 17 laps in, what, 23 hours and 59 minutes right. to then allow myself to go and do that 18th lap to bring it up to about 111 miles. Uh, and actually, as it was, on the day I did, well, I got my... Um, 20 laps so i finished up lap 19 with about half an hour of the mm -hmm. time left and then pretty much just death marched another <laughs> lap in just to uh just to get to the 20 and that was really because not the stuff like trophies particularly mean a lot to me but they had a system where i think it was if you did 10 laps in the time you got what they called a bronze pin if you did 15 you got a silver and if you did gold uh sorry if you did 20 you got a gold and in my head, I thought, if I finish on 19, I'm going to need to come back here again to try and get that 20. Mm. So let's put a shift on and let's try and get the 20 so I don't have to come back here and do this again. Yeah, that's that's one of those where it would have, um, at least for me, it would have been an easier pill to swallow to have hit hit the 18 and been happy with it versus to hit the 19 and been one lap away. Like it's something about yeah. being just a little bit closer is like unfinished business versus if you if only quote unquote only had done 18 like yeah good got got the got the job done hit the mileage total like we're good to go yeah that was exactly what was going through my head in almost so much where i was thinking can i justify slowing down to myself so i do just hit the 18 <laughs> laps and then don't have that that rush to to then have to go and hit the 20 later on but as it was again, kind of energy and enthusiasm ebbed and flowed. And actually it got to like 8.30 on that Sunday morning. I thought it is humanly possible to, to get 20 laps in. So it's only another three and a half hours. You can put the F in for three and a half hours. And just in my mind, it's always comparing that thought of how am I going to feel this time tomorrow? Am I going to feel, yeah, you gave that everything and, and really went for it? Or am I going to think, actually, you left some stuff on the table when physically you were capable of doing more? Right, right. And then, and you know, the story, is, and clearly, you know, the story is you talked yourself into it, got out there, did the did the last uh, couple laps and uh, got that got that gold pin. Yeah. And so I was really pleased with that. Um, wasn't really keeping an eye on standings at all, but the I, my coach actually very kindly came and crewed for me for the weekend, um, and he was quite excited because I had sort of the live data going and all that kind of stuff, and he was keeping tabs on that. But yeah, ended up coming second in that as well, which was really? uh, yeah very surprising. But I was again 
standings didn't mean a lot. I mean, you know, it's nice to get, but really it was sort of the the personal goal was more the thing. But um, yeah, and also just, I suppose, the the intrinsic goal more so than the extrinsic one in terms of, for me, it's just that pride of knowing you've done something that most people wouldn't put themselves through. And actually a year ago, I don't think I'd have put myself through either. Right, right. And it'll be interesting to see. And, and uh, maybe as we're running out of time, this isn't the, the time to ask the question, but maybe just to, to plant the seed of, you know, uh, for me, of like, I can't wait to see what the next year brings. Because I mean, this this year has been pretty, at least from a running perspective, pretty, uh, pretty uh, intense and, and pretty, uh, I mean, awesome, but quite frankly. And so so who knows where it goes from here. But the question I was going to ask before we got to the to the 24 hour race um that I think, it, like I said, I think it made sense to wait one more one more race report to, to then ask it, is the three races you've run, all three very different, obviously different distances, but just the styles of races being very different as well from just a straight up point to point kind of, you know, just running, r- running one direction, start line, finish line, go. Uh, the backyard situation where it's every hour on the hour until you decide that you don't want to keep going anymore or until everybody else stops and then you're the winner. Or 24 hours where, again, it's it's is a time there's the 24 hour piece, but it's, you know, you can kind of keep going as, as long as you want to, uh, but you don't have that start stop situation, which, uh, which style of racing do you, did you enjoy the most? Did, did one stand out as being more enjoyable? Obviously the, the mileage distances, maybe colors the, the, the perception a little bit as well, but style of race, which one did you like the best? Do you know, what? I've been trying to decide that in my own head actually. And it's, it's still been difficult to come mm-hmm. to a conclusion, I definitely think from a from sort of a scenery point of view, from a um, kind of stimulus point of view, doing some sort of point to point is the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the fact that with that, you've kind of got no option that you have to, you know, you have to make the distance. Otherwise, you end up uh, with the embarrassment of being picked up by someone along the way. The backyard, I think I enjoyed because actually it is sometimes nice to have that enforced rest granted actually because the way the course was it was a um it was that one that i did was quite a difficult course you only end up with probably eight to 12 minutes rest between laps but actually that is just about enough time for a breather for a sit down for some food uh i think the toughest and as you say the distance might be coloring this site the toughest was the most recent one because you have that opportunity to stop, you know, you're every time you get back to the start line, there's food there, there were stands that were selling stuff, there was sort of, yeah, this race was done where you could enter in a team. So there are lots of people kind of sitting around having barbecues, having drinks, there's a, you know, we had the, the van there with all the stuff inside. So stopping was super, super tempting, which made it difficult. But I think there's also that familiarity that you can break it down in your head to thinking, right, just one more lap. Okay, mm-hmm. done that, just one more lap, done that, one more lap. So I don't think I'm experienced enough in any of them yet to say that I particularly have a favorite. But yeah, pros and cons to everything. I think in future, I would probably look at doing more point-to-point ones just for the fact that I would like to also include the idea of kind of seeing certainly more of the UK, if not more of the world through running. And so it definitely makes more sense to try and do more of those kind of runs. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, I think to my, in my 
opinion for whatever that's worth, which is probably not much. I think you hit the nail on the head with being pros and cons because they, because that, that quite frankly is, I mean, there's, there's some folks that hear the idea of some type of looped course, whether it's 24 hours, whether it's just a looped, a looped, you know, distance type of, of situation, backyards, whatever, and like, Oh God, that would be terrible. But there's advantages to that of having, you know, kind of a home base, having all your stuff. But, but yeah, I'm right there with you as far as I, I like to, to see different stuff. I like to not run the same loop over and over and over again. So um, I think probably a point to point would be slightly my favorite, but again, I can see pros and cons to, to all of the different options out there and, you know, get a few more races under their belt and maybe that'll be an easier question to answer. We'll, we'll see. But uh, last question for you, Mike, before we get you out of here, uh, the, the philosophical question is kind of how I wrap things up, which is just, you know, a fancy way of saying something open-ended, not necessarily specific to any of your real races or, or your running history so far. Um, but just curious, I mean, in the, in the, in the, you know, five, six months that, you know, I mean, not even that long as far as racing, but in the really big build up to the to the 50 miles or 53 miles all the way up to 124 miles just recently. Um, what have you learned? What, if anything, although I'm assuming that there's going to be at least something. Uh, but what have you learned about yourself from running that uh, maybe was was a new observation, a new revelation, uh, something that who knows how it would have shaken out. But maybe you would have not learned it at least yet if had you not kind of gotten bit by this running bug a, a, a couple of years ago and really kind of seen it through to where we are today. Probably a cliched answer, but I think you learn sort of how much mentally and physically you can withstand. And I'm always very hesitant to to put it across as anything too dramatic because at the end of the day, we choose to do this stuff. You know, it's not like we've had something terrible thrust upon us that we have to endure. But certainly if you choose to do this kind of thing, actually, a lot of the time it will feel like it really sucks for a bit. And then you just get through that. And actually, it's really not too bad. The idea that anyone can endure some some pain and some fatigue in the grand scheme of things. You know, a, a 24-hour run seems like a really long time. But actually, if you think back to what you were doing 24 hours ago, it's really not that much in the grand scheme of things. So just the fact that, yeah, the human body is is pretty cool at what it can withstand. And certainly, I think unless you're at the very, very top, a lot of this is is at least as much mental as physical, if not more so. And so I think that for me, it's been training that side of things and just learning that actually, if you really put some effort into that and don't just always see it as, I need to get through this and finish this as fast as possible, you're looking to actively develop tactics and strategies and mindsets that help you keep going on and even sort of trying to enjoy it even when it feels really difficult that's probably for me being the biggest thing that's allowed me to to get better at this i'd say i i love it and yeah definitely definitely agree the mental side is is huge and uh appreciate you sharing that and and more lessons to learn i'm sure uh as w- with whatever the future holds for you but uh guys once again at mike samuels 90 on facebook so just facebook.com slash mike samuels 90 unless you want to scroll through all the mike samuels you're welcome to do that too and try to figure out the right one best of luck uh also on instagram at the underscore coffee shop underscore copywriter if you want more of mike's musings on running and a whole lot of other stuff you can get them at those two places uh disruns.com slash 990 disruns.com slash 990 back to the show notes for today all the links as per usual so mike thanks for uh for taking the time today uh i mean i don't know if it came across but i'm nothing but impressed with how 
how rapidly you've, you've climbed the ladder as, as far as running goes. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to continuing to, to follow along and, and uh, get your musings on all the things, but looking forward to the next running, running post and, and next race recap, whenever that might be. Uh, but certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward. And who knows, maybe we'll circle up and do this again at some point down the road. Yeah, really cool, man. I appreciate your kind words and for having me on as well. Like I said to you at the start, this is the first running podcast I've been invited on. So, yeah, I don't think there was a, a better way to lose my virginity, so to speak. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Mike and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what what stood out to you today. What was your takeaway from our little chit-chat that uh, you just got to listen to. For me, it came from a little bit earlier in the episode when Mike was talking about a, a certain amount of naivete that maybe he had leading up to some of these races and you know, still being relatively new-ish to, to the running scene and certainly to the, the ultra-marathon scene. And it got me thinking about how, like, yes, maybe, maybe it did help him out a little bit. And maybe for myself, maybe, maybe for you as well, although certainly not trying to throw anybody under the bus today, but, but for myself... Maybe a little dose of naivete once in a while might not be the worst thing. Uh, I think sometimes when I go into to some big races, whether it's a, a marathon and I'm maybe trying to, to set a new PR, maybe trying to push it a little bit and see see how things go. Maybe, you know, gearing up for some of these longer races like this 45 miler that I've got, you know, cooking uh, in, in another couple few weeks, my, my first longer than 50K ultra marathon. I think sometimes I, I maybe overthink things a little bit or at least place some type of limiting belief on, on what is maybe possible for the day, you know, n- not being too specific because I haven't thought about this thoroughly enough, thoroughly. Yeah, we'll go with it. Um, but you know, when it comes to maybe a marathon and I think, all right, well maybe I'm capable of, you know, a PR by three minutes or five minutes and maybe I am, but, but maybe if I was a bit more naive or at least didn't overthink things as much, Maybe I could look at my training times and be like, you know what? Maybe maybe I'm capable of a 15 or 20 minute PR. You know, looking looking ahead to this this 45 miler, I've been kicking around some goal times or what I thought might be possible. And at one point, it was like, you know, I think maybe nine hours might be might be about doable. And then I start to break that down and go, well, God, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe maybe nine hours is just shooting way too high. Maybe 10 hours. Maybe maybe 12. Like I don't know hearing Mike talk about some of the goals that he had or some of the, the thoughts he had going into that, that first ultra marathon and how a bit of naivete maybe, maybe set him up for, for almost more success or, or, a, a you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to certainly not trying to put words in his mouth, but it just reminded me of like, maybe I'm overthinking things too much. Maybe, maybe I need to be more naive and go, you know what? Yeah. Nine hours, sub nine hours is the goal. Um, Instead of trying to break it down too much, overanalyze, overthink, maybe be too experienced and, and too, you know, I don't know. Somewhere in there, I think I think a dose of naivete might be good for me once in a while, especially when it comes to race day and pushing myself and, and expectations that I have set. Um, yes, it, you know, it doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. There's not going to be some struggles. But you know what? Like setting a big goal, like no reason I can't do that and no reason I can't be successful Nine times out of 10, I'm the reason that's getting in the way. A little bit of naivete might go a long way towards some new marks, some new some new time goals, some new PRs, and uh, maybe looking at some things from a different perspective. So I don't know. I don't know if that made any sense to you, but definitely for me, when Mike was talking about being a, a bit, bit naive 
and actually kind of working out well for him. I was like, ah, something I might want to try going forward. So I don't know. To be determined. Got three weeks until uh, the 45-miler. So uh, maybe maybe, maybe there's some gears turning, some uh, different ways of looking at things. To be determined. But uh, anyway, that was my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? As always, love to hear it. At Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram, Dizruns at gmail.com. If email's more your thing, and if you want to head over to the show notes for today, links, photos, and of course, there's that comment section at the bottom of the page. You can leave your thoughts and feedbacks there as well. Whatever works best for you works just fine for me. Uh, one last time, Dizruns.com slash 990 for the show notes today. Be ready on race day. It's available on the Amazons. You can also get it or you know, just find out some more information at BeReadyOnRaceDay.com. If you're ready to move on from one size fits all, there's a good, a good baby step into the, the world of either creating your own plan or tweaking some things and making it perfect for you. BeReadyOnRaceDay.com. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Y'all, thanks for listening. Thanks for your time and attention. I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, hit that share button. And until next time, be well. Take good care. Thanks one more time for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? See you guys. Thank you.